Hey there. Before we get started, we want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in to the Kuhau Podcast. We hope it encourages you and draws you closer to Jesus as you listen. Let's get excited for this message and let's get ready to hear from God. I do believe that God has a special, special word for our church in person and our church in line as we kick off our series, Grace Gives. Now, I want to introduce the series to you, so I want to turn your attention as we read um, the scriptures of our series, the guiding scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 says, He gives us comfort in all our troubles, then we can comfort other people who have the same troubles. We give the same kind of comfort God gives. John 13, verses 34 through 35 says, Love one another as I have loved you. And Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32 says, Forgive other people just as God forgave you. See, when we receive grace, the same grace by design is a giver. It, what it's saying is that we don't create something to give. We, we don't conjure up our own kind of giving. We're actually giving. When we, when we step into generosity, we're giving from a place of receptivity. That because these scriptures outline it, because God has given us, us so much, because God has forgiven us, we forgive. We love others just as God has loved us. We're able to comfort others. Why? Because God comforted us first. If we've received generosity, then the generosity within us is something we can be generous with because God has been so generous with it. So we can now be generous with our time. We can be generous with our lifestyle. We can be generous with our resources. We can be generous with kindness. Why? Because God has given it all to us. We are blessed to be blessings. We're not trying to be blessings first, but because we're blessed, we can be a blessing. Does anybody believe they're blessed to be a blessing? I'm going to give you guys a second chance. Does anybody believe? Come on, I want to hear you guys from all at, at, in your house. I want to hear you guys. Do you believe you are blessed to be a blessing? That's what I'm talking about. And so that is the kind of grace that we have, a grace that gives. And for week one, we are going to be unpacking 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 8 through 24. We are going to be reading some Bible today. Woo! From the Old Testament. It reads as follows. Eventually, the brook dried up because of the drought. The, the scene that we step into is Elijah is in the middle of a famine. The prophet Elijah is in the middle of a drought. I'm sorry. And he's been provided for by uh, a brook for water, and ravens have been um, bringing him food. And here, the scene that we step into, the brook has dried up because of the drought, and God spoke to him, get up and go to Zarephath in Sidon and live there. I've instructed a woman who lives there, a widow, to feed you. And it says, so he got up and went to Zarephath. As he came to the entrance of the village, he met a woman, a widow, gathering firewood. He asked her, please, would you bring me a little water in a jug? And it continues. I'll find it here. I need a drink. As she went to get it, he called out, and while you're at it, that's what I do to my mom. Hey, mom, while you're at it, would you bring me something to eat? She said, I swear as surely as your God lives, I don't have so much as a biscuit. 
I have a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a bottle. You found me scratching together just enough firewood to make a last meal for my son and me. After we eat it, we'll die. And Elijah says to her, don't worry about a thing. Go ahead and do what you've said. But first, make a small biscuit for me and bring it back here. Then go ahead and make a meal from what's left of you and your son. This is the word of God of Israel. The jar of flour will not run out and the bottle of oil will not become empty before God sends rain on the land and ends this drought. And she went right off and did it. Did just as Elijah asked. And it turned out as he said, daily food for her and her family. The jar of meal didn't run out and the bottle of oil didn't become empty. God's promise fulfilled the letter exactly as Elijah had delivered. The title of today's talk is this, The Economy of God's Kingdom. Can you say that? The Economy of the economy of God's kingdom. I want to pray with you guys as I get into this message. Lord, I, I pray that from this moment we may be catapulted, Lord, that this church, the trajectory of our church may be boosted and amplified as we, this is already a church that has been so generous. And I ask that this moment right here, this message, this talk, whoever is listening, that you may speak to us, Lord. Speak to us and open our hearts right now, God. I pray for everybody listening, everybody watching. In your name, amen. You guys ever run out of something? Like, like, like the thing that you need the most, when you need it the most, you, you run out of it? Like you ever run out of toilet paper? Like, right, like, like, you know, like, you guys know, this is going to be TMI, maybe, but you guys know, like, you had that extra cup of coffee, you knew you shouldn't have done it, you knew it was going to have your stomach in knots, but you did it anyway, and you rushed home, you got home, you sat there, you did what you needed to do, but the last second, you realize you don't got no toilet paper. It's, I, I think it's better when it happens at home, you know, because at least you're home, you got a shower, if anything. I have a bidet now, so that, that problem never happens to me. And honestly, it's the worst now because I go to other people's places or I'm in public and I'm like, dang, they ran out of toilet paper. I have to use this? But you ever be in public, in a public stall? That's the worst. You run out of toilet paper in a public stall? You got to do the creep, you know, you got to look under the stall, make sure nobody else is in the bathroom. And then there's, I believe there are two kinds of people. Listen, I know it happens to everybody, all right? If you tell me you've never ran out of toilet paper in a public stall, I'm going to say you a liar. I believe there's two kinds of people. There's people who hike their pants up and try to jump into the stall. And there's some people who can't risk that. And you look, you make sure nobody's there, and you do the penguin waddle into the next stall, cover it, lock it, and hopefully that stall has toilet paper because I have been to like two stalls in a row of no toilet paper and it is the worst. That's why I bought a bidet. Growing up, we can never run out of milk. We never, like rice, what is it, what is it? What are the essentials? Bread, milk, eggs, yeah, butter, I just thought about with the toilet paper thing, like last year, that was the hugest. Like who hears you're gonna be locked in, pandemic style, you can't, and the first person is like, we're gonna need toilet paper. <laughs> like that's, that's the essential item. I never in my life thought there would be a toilet paper crisis because growing up we just used so many things when we ran out. I'm being honest, I grew up in a Hispanic home, we were very, resourceful we just knew but there were, with food there were things that you just could not run out of in my house we have we never run out of milk never 
It might be expired, but we never run out of milk. My mom looks at me. She's like, Ruben, in Costa Rica, that's where my mother grew up, if you don't know, the floor isn't a floor. It's dirt. And you know what you sweep the floor with? Leaves. All right? This milk is fine. It's good. All right? You need to grow up. It's not that bad. And I'm like, no, ma, that milk's expired. She's like, no, 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 no. It's just a suggested date. I'm like, the smell, it don't smell suggested. And she's like, no, look, it's good. That's why I like almond milk. Almond milk, I don't feel like almond milk ever expires, which is either bad or good. But I don't know. It's just, I've never been, it's like, there's nothing worse than pouring milk into the cereal, and then, that, and then you find out the milk's expired. That's, that'll ruin your day. There were just things you could not run out of, eggs, rice, and when you run out of it, it feels like the, a crisis. Here's what I run out of a lot. I'm going to be honest. I was thinking about this in preparing this message, and I, I think I also had like a low-key reality check. Hopefully, I'm not alone, but I'd be running out of clothes, guys. Like, I'd be forgetting to do laundry, and the problem is, is I do laundry in phases, so like, there's when the hamper's full. Then the hamper is at the end of my hallway. Then the hamper is at the bottom of my steps. Then the hamper finally makes it to the laundry room. And this has been a month now. And by like the third or fourth week after that, I finally get around to do it. So I have like woken up, getting dressed to realize, oh, I don't have clothes today. I've been late to work at times. All right, it's sounding like I'm alone. Am I, am I just weird? What the? All right, all right, all right. Some people do laundry late. Right? Some people, all right, all right. Makes big noise. I don't know if it, people want to be honest about that. We're just going to move on. But I've run out, and it's the worst. It's the worst sensation running out, realizing the thing that you need is not there. Realizing your battery is at 15%. You got an hour and 15 commute home, hour and 15 minute commute home, and you are running out of battery. I'm a grown man. I got a curfew. Here's my curfew. My battery's at 15%. If I'm hanging out with you and my battery's below 15% and you don't have a charger, our friendship. I'm sorry. I hope our friendship is strong enough to survive the, yeah, I got to go. Why? You know, I'm just not feeling, I feel tired, honestly. It's 6 o'clock in the afternoon. My battery is making me feel tired and I just got to get home. The sensation of running out, and especially when it's essential items. And what's interesting is, I bring that up because of the scene that we're in. We are in a scene where two people have run out. And they've run out in the middle of a nation that's run out. They're in the middle of a drought. They're in the midst of already having no water. There is a drought in the land. And we have two people, Elijah and the widow, who have run out of essentials. Your boy Elijah lost the brook. He also lost the ravens who were feeding him. Also, first installment of Uber Eats was the ravens. And they stopped. I don't know what happened. That's actually happened to me on Uber Eats. I see the driver go the opposite direction of my house. That's what happened to Elijah. The, the ravens stopped showing up. And then, in this moment, the widow who, who's lost her husband, the widow who's down to her last little bit, little bit of bread, has run out. And here's, here's what's weird. Here's what's interesting. Here's the dilemma. These two people have run out of the essentials, and God wants to help them. But the way that he wants to help them is to send them to each other and have the widow give a lot. Like I'm like, you know, I'm glad I'm not an angel sometimes because I'm like, I would, God would, I would be trying to give God feedback because I'm ignorant. You know, I'd be like, Lord... Like, how two broke people going to help each other? Like, how, Lord, like, what, what are you trying to get at here? Like, you trying to, like, she don't got food. How you, you said that you, you instructed her to feed him? 
She only got enough food for her and her son. Like, that doesn't make sense. And what's Elijah going to do? He was out here, like, drinking water from a brook. Call me bougie, but I need my Brita filters. And so these two people are being paired up because God wants to do, it just sounds weird. It doesn't make sense, but it shouldn't make sense. See, because the logic that we tend to use is our own worldly economy logic. And the system that we live in is this. There are producers and there are consumers. If you cannot produce enough, the, the consumption rate becomes in jeopardy. This is actually an economic law, right? Supply and demand. The law of supply and demand says that the less there is of something, the more valuable it becomes, the more precious it becomes. Why? Because the demand is just as high. Toilet paper last year became precious. You guys know that diamonds, the value of diamonds, the way that diamonds, diamonds are just a rock. This ruined me. Diamonds are just a rock, but one company owns all the mining facilities of diamonds. And the way that they increase and decrease the value of diamonds is they either mine more or mine less. It depends on what they want the price to be. Because if they want it to be more valuable and more scarce, they just produce less. So now the consumption rate doesn't match what's being produced. This is how our economy works. There are producers and there are consumers. And if I don't have anything to produce, how can I help this profit? How is this going to work? But that's the paradigm. That's the economy of our system. That is not the economy of the world. See, the economy of the kingdom is not filled with producers and consumers. The economy of God is filled with givers. And there's one producer. It's God. See, before humanity ever even comes to the picture, God is producing right there in Genesis. And he's not producing for himself. He doesn't say, let's create earth so that we can live in it. He has heaven already. He's, he's created. What he does is he's creating a habitat, an environment for humanity to dwell in. And after he's produced it, he's, he tells us to take dominion over it and calls us to live within it. He's created an ecosystem for us to function in. And so God's kingdom understands that, hey, before I was ever a thought, he has produced all that I have, all that I would have ever obtained, and all that's ever been given to me. Even my ability to get, he's given me, the Bible says that he's given us our gifts. So even the things that I obtain, I obtain with what he has first given me. And when we understand that, we become a people who are not producers or consumers and start looking at others like, what can you do for me we say, what can I give to you? See, I, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. I want you to remember it if you're just listening. This, this take-home point right here. The economy of God's kingdom is about a generous God who through his giving creates generous people for a purpose so that we can be a blessing to the world. And this is why his word says time and time, this is a theme in the Bible, Generosity exudes throughout scripture. And it says that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Because in the kingdom, you understand that it's not when you are producing that you're blessed. It's not when you're working and grinding and hustling that you're blessed. It's not when you're getting, 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 and, and consuming your life with greed that you're getting blessed. That you are most fulfilled, that you are living a most satisfied life when you live a giving, open-handed, generous life, and that is when you are most blessed. When you live by the principle that I was blessed, and so because I am blessed, I know that I am blessed to be a blessing. Do we have anybody who believes they are blessed to be a blessing today? God, before we existed, 
gave to us, gave us the world that we live in, the gifts that we have. He gave to us. And in this scene, we see a perfect picture of his generosity. And the, the next thing I want you guys to take home today is this, that God invented giving. The economy of God's kingdom understands that we didn't invent generosity. I couldn't. Honestly, I, I could not invent generosity. I ask people stuff like when we're all eating together, my friends, I'm like, hey, are you done with that? Like, are you? I'm always waiting. Like, nah, I could go in now, right? Like, you're, I'm, I'm a just, you look done. God, an economy of God's kingdom says that God invented giving. It starts with him. And this is something that we see in today's passage as well. It's him who was one even providing Elijah with the brook and the ravens. He's the one providing Elijah all the food that he is eating through the ravens and a brook of water. And now he wants to make a way for this widow who's getting ready to die. And he's the one who initiates that. He says to Elijah, I've instructed this woman to feed you. And I would have loved to see that conversation. It says he instructed her. So there was a conversation that God must have had with the widow too. And so he's initiating this moment. There's this moment where God is initiating the generosity in this picture. And it's just another moment in which God is generous. And all throughout the Bible, you will see that generosity begins with God. It all began with him. It all begins with him. And it all begins with his giving. There isn't anything about your God that isn't generous. He's not stingy. He's not, he's not close-fisted. It, the Bible... Anytime the Bible even tries to describe his generosity, it's always in this superlative, hyperbolic manner. It's not like God gives. It's like God gives abundantly, numerous ways. Anytime. Anytime. I'll go through it. If, if you're wondering about your life, what kind of life does God give you? In John 10, 10, it says that he gives in abundance. If you're wondering how much does God pour out, it says in Psalms 23, 5 that it overflows. His generosity is overflowing. If you're wondering how much can God do for you, well, in Ephesians 3, 20, it says to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly, that right there, he can do exceedingly and abundantly is great, but he says abundantly above all you could ever ask for. Not just exceedingly and abundantly fulfill what you ask, but he will exceedingly and abundantly fulfill it and then go beyond what you ever asked for. When it talks about his grace, it says in 2 Corinthians that his grace is sufficient. Please, in other scriptures it says that where your sin abounds, where your shortcomings abound, where your failings abound, his grace abounds all the more. In other words, his grace, run, grace runs laps. If you ever thought you could run out of God's grace, his grace is running laps around any ounce of failure. That's how generous he is with his grace. And if you're wondering about your spiritual blessings, Ephesians 1.3 says that he has given us every spiritual blessing. He didn't withhold one. He's given us every single blessing. If you're wondering how generous God truly is, it says that in the moment where we were enemies, he gave us Jesus, his only begotten son. Why? To pave the way for us. So what would it look like, church? I want to ask you guys today. If Kuhau had this revelation. And you know, I think we do. Because I look at 2020. And there was so much happening around us. We've heard so many stories of churches. Who have had to close down during the pandemic. And here we are. Because of the grace of God. And because of the generosity of this church. But what would it look like if we lived with a more awareness of this understanding? If we took the generosity that we already have and understood and lived this life, that generosity starts with God. And I think that when our awareness of God's generosity increases, then our lives naturally, naturally, it just happens. That the more we're around God, that the more we're aware of something, 
it becomes almost reactive and generosity becomes less of an act that we have to consciously do and a habit that we just fall into. I kind of think of it like breathing, you know, like breathing is both this automatic thing that your body does on its own, but it's also something you can control. And they say that the second I say you're breathing, you've now started controlling it. And generosity can be that way. It can be either something that we're always having to constantly think about, I gotta give, I gotta give, I gotta give. Or if we're just around him and we get so caught up with his own generosity, it is something that will flow out of us and we will look back and go, wow, I was giving that whole time? I was pouring out overflowing blessings to people because I was blessed to be a blessing? When we fixate on the fact that generosity starts with who? Starts with God. He is abundant, he is overflowing, he's exceeding. And when we go back to this narrative, we, we, we can continue to glean some more things from this point. In 2 Corinthians 17, 8, it says, eventually the brook dries up, then God speaks to Elijah and says, get up and go to Zarephath in Sidon and live there. I have instructed a woman who lives there, a widow, to feed you. It says he got up and went to Zarephath as he came to the entrance of the village. He met a woman, a widow, gathering firewood. And he asked her, please would you bring me a little water in a jug? Where, where did the ravens go? It says the brook dried up, doesn't say nothing about the ravens. Like, why, why the ravens had to go away? And what's weird is the brook dried up, but God tells Elijah, hey, I want to feed you. But it was the brook that dried up. Like, it wasn't about a thirst thing. Like, it's, it's awkward. It's weird. And sometimes I feel like we can be in this place. Like, Lord, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. We was doing fine with Raven Eats. Like, what, why, why did they have to stop? Why did it have to dry up? God could have just simply kept, it says that he provided the brook. And so if he provided it in the midst of a drought, why all of the sudden is it that because of the drought, the brook had to dry up? And here's, here's what the Spirit of God is saying. Saying that every time we hit a kind of wall like that, Lord, this was going good. Why'd you have to change it? Lord, this was fine. It was comfortable here. The sun was out, the brook was cool. I was getting fed some, I like, I wonder what the ravens were feeding him. It must have been good because he was doing it for a while, right? Like this was good. But every time we hit those kinds of walls where we've gotten comfortable, could it be that it's God calling us to trust him to be more generous, to trust him to be in a new way? See, Elijah could have stayed at the brook. He could have been getting fed. But then that generous moment, that blessing would have only been for Elijah. But it is in interacting with the woman, the widow, that now her whole household. It goes on to say, the end of this story, and I think it's so important to start with the end in mind. The end of this story is that her whole family, she only had enough food for her and her son, but now her whole family is, gets fed. And as the story continues, we find that Elijah does so much more just by being in that town. And so often we can become comfortable with the way in which God is providing us. But God could be wanting to stretch us to a new level, a new kind of generosity. And Elijah could have taken this posture. The God, God calls him to go to a woman, a widow, who in this time statistically she would have been impoverished she would have been a marginalized person women were seen as second-class citizens in in during these days and and her sole provider it's not a woman who has a husband who's providing in that time this is a widow and elijah like it doesn't say elijah complained it doesn't say elijah asked but lord where's the brooks and let me tell you like I, there's a lot of complaining in the bible i've read habakkuk i've read jeremiah they complain. Lord, Job, the book of Job, people talk about how faithful Job was. He was, but also there was a lot of complaining. Like he, Job complained. And it doesn't say Elijah does that. It says that Elijah went. 
But he could have been like, Lord, you're, you're going to send me to, like, why aren't you going to send me to a better, someone who's in a better position, a better candidate? Why would you be doing this to me? Why can't you send me to someone who can be in a better position to bless my life? But what God was wanting to do was use Elijah to bless hers through her generosity. Some Sometimes God is asking us in those moments, are you, are you trusting me? Hey, the brook is dry. The ravens are gone. And we can try to figure out why. Or you can just follow my next steps. And I think the secret therein is Elijah's attitude. And even the woman's attitude. And we're, we're going to dissect that in a little bit. But the next thing I want you guys to understand is this, that giving has so, 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 so much more to do with attitude than it does amount. See, in the economy of God's kingdom, generosity is not limited to the amount that you have. And that's important because, excuse me, that's important. I had Taco Bell for lunch. Don't do that, guys. Yeah. <laughs> it's important because the amount, sometimes the amount that we have gets us caught up. And we think, I can't possibly have enough for God's kingdom. But the word attitude in the Bible is often translated as a spirit or it's this kind of posture. And it's, what I believe is this, that God is never limited by your amount. God will always do exceedingly and abundantly more. But what he has limited himself on is your willingness. In scripture, it says he desires a cheerful giver. It says, do not ever give out of compulsion. And we can prove this by looking at a different widow. In Luke chapter 21, it says that Jesus was in the temple observing all the wealthy, wanting to be noticed. You hear their attitude? They were giving to be noticed. And as they came with their offerings, he noticed a very poor widow. It's interesting that he's observing. I love the, the language here, right? He's observing the wealthy who want to be noticed. But he notices the one who's a poor widow, dropping two small coins in the offering box. And he says, listen to me, this poor widow has given a larger offering than any of the wealthy. For the rich only gave out of their surplus, but she sacrificed out of her poverty and gave to God all that she had to live on. The posture was so different. She wasn't giving to be noticed. She was giving. And I think you see it in her ability to notice God that, hey, I may only have two coins, but my love for you, my, 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 this is what I can offer and this is what I will. And he says that the wealthy are giving from their surplus, their extra. See, in the kingdom of God, it is not about the amount that you have. You can give a million dollars, but if your attitude is in the wrong place, it's not generosity. And you can give a coin with all of your heart in it. It says your faith as small as a mustard seed can do so much. And so sometimes we think that we have to give a lot to make a difference. But it's never going to be about how much I give that makes me generous. No, it's about the attitude in which I give. See, I can give saying I have to give because, oh, the Bible says it. Or I can give saying I get to give. It's an attitude that says, hey, I give out of gratitude, not out of guilt. I give out of delight, not out of duty. I get to give because of my faith, not out of my fear. And we give because we get to, not because we have to. And we go back to the scene where Elijah is going to someone who doesn't have a lot. She literally has enough to make for her food for her and her son. And they're already in the middle of a drought, which is interesting, right? Like she was able to somehow have water in the midst of a drought. And that's precious. That is gold right now. And she so willingly giving it to him. She's, he asks for something to drink, and she does it, and she gives it to him. But what's interesting is, when we, when we back up, it says that God says to Elijah, 
I've commanded this widow to feed you and sustain you. I've, in, in more literal translations, it says commanded. In the translation we're reading today, it says instructed. But the point is that God had already had a pre-conversation with this widow to feed Elijah. And I wonder if in that moment, because sometimes our heart is in the right place and we hear God, but Elijah just asked for water. Like, hey, I want you to feed Elijah. Elijah comes, hey, can I get some water? And she's like, water? That's it? You just want the water? All right. All right. I got you. I could do this. I can get you some water. I can get you water. But just as she turns to get the water, he says it. In 1 Kings 17.10, it says, as she was going to get it, he called to her. I ask of you, bring me a piece of bread in your hand. And that's when she rebuttals. Even though God had already commanded her, and I think so often, I've been there, where God has already told me to do the thing that I know that I have to do, and in the midst of doing it, I'm like, ah, but are you sure? I can do the water, but the bread, I, he says, I she says, I swear to you, as the your Lord, your God lives, I have no bread, only enough flour in the jar to fill a hand and a little oil in the water and as as she's going to do what Elijah asked he asks for more and sometimes it can feel like that like Lord really God you want more like haven't I given you enough haven't I given you enough of my life like like I've 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 done enough God like I've given you I've been baptized I've I've placed my faith in you I've 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 given I've I've given offering like Lord you want more and in a moment and I've been there where I've said yes but in a moment saying Lord you're asking more but really before Elijah ever got there he had already commanded her he had already instructed her to feed him and I've done that, where his more, or what he's already asked of me, sometimes feels like more. And what it is, is we've become close-fisted. I wonder if she'd become close-fisted in the time between Elijah getting there and the, the instruction from God, did she start to do this? And I love that, that Elijah says, can you give me bread in your hand? And she says, I only have enough bread for my hand. And sometimes we're holding on to what we've got like this. And life happens. Man, if you have gone through 2020 and not been close-fisted in some way, not tightened up a little bit, at least with toilet paper. Man, kudos to you. But man, 2020, I feel like 2020 hit us in such a different way. 2020 hit us in such a new way. And, and I could see her going through a similar situation, going through life and this is what you're asking of me but little by little she becomes closed fisted and she could be saying Lord I'm willing to give up the cup of water for free but now you want the bread too and this is where we live sometimes we can become generous with our water but not with our bread because maybe maybe she had a lot of water maybe she knew like if you got water in a drought come on like maybe she knew, okay, I could, I could sacrifice the water, but I've only got this much bread. And that's what happens to us sometimes. We are saying, God, take the water. Don't touch the bread, though. And it's as if God is being unreasonable. Like we're saying, Lord, like I'm already giving you my Sundays and you want more. Like, like God is being insensitive. Like, God, you know this is all I have, and you're asking me for more. Have you ever felt like church? Like, God was asking you for more than you've already given. Like, you're saying, Lord, I, I, I've given enough. I've given up to 32% of my life, but you want more. I've had those really God moments where I say, Lord, I know I sang I surrender, but really I meant I want to negotiate. Like, did you really mean the bread too? Because Elijah's just asking for water. And then at the last second, he asks for it. But here's what happens. 
She says, I swear as surely as your God lives, I don't have so much as a biscuit. I have a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a bottle. You found me scratching together just enough firewood to make a last meal for my son and me. After we eat it, we will die. And Elijah said to her, oh, I'm sorry, I got the wrong widow. No, he doesn't say that. He could have said that. We're talking about attitude here. Elijah could have been like, oh, this must be the wrong address. But he doesn't. He looks at her and he says, don't worry about a thing. God, go ahead of you and do what you've said. But first make a small biscuit for me and bring it back here. Then go ahead and make a meal from what is left for you and your son. And then what he says later on is he says this. He says, for as surely, I, I, want, I want to find the verse. He says, then go ahead and make a meal. He says, this is the word of the God of Israel. The jar of fl flour will not run out and the bottle of oil will not become empty before God sends rain on the land and sends this drought and ends this drought. And then she goes off and does it. And then her entire family is fed beyond her and her son what's crazy to me is that there's no point in which God has a moment with Elijah and says that that's what's going to happen we see God telling Elijah to go to the widow so that he'll be fed we hear that God commanded this widow but nowhere before Elijah speaks it to her does it say that God had already told her told him this which means that he must have had such an attitude of generosity towards God knowing that generosity begins with him that he's saying like Lord if you're telling me to go to her and she's saying she only has enough before she dies you must be wanting to do something amazing in her life because I know you provided to me you gave me a brook and a raven so I know you are about to do exceedingly and abundantly more in her life so much so that he is able to declare it and say, hey, don't worry about a thing. Could you imagine the audacity to look at someone who says, I'm about to make this meal and then go off to starve to death and say, don't worry about a thing. As sure as God is, he is going to do so much more and you will not run out of food until this drought ends. And the story goes on to say that she had enough food for her entire household after following these instructions. That is the attitude of someone who understands the economy of God's kingdom. That if God is calling me to this woman, surely he must be having something to do. Here must be something in store for her life. He says this to her, and it says that the jar of meal didn't run out, and the bottle of oil didn't become empty, and God's promise was fulfilled, fulfilled to the letter exactly as Elijah had delivered it. And the worship team can come up. And I want to I transition here. We, we know that God... Generosity begins with God. And we know that, that it's about our attitude, not our amount. But it's also about knowing that God gets first place. Elijah looks to this woman and says, hey, do what you're going to do. But do what God has called you to do first. I wonder if there, it was a little wink. Because God said, I've instructed this woman to do this. So it's like, hey, do what you plan." But put God first. And the way that we put God first in our modern day society and in, in the church is through the principle of the tithe. And the way that this is demonstrated is we take 10% of all that we have because we acknowledge that, hey, it's, it's not mine in the first place. And I love this moment. It's something Pastor Rowe always shares when he teaches on the tithe. And he says this. He says that he was so scared, weary to teach on the tithe because he never wanted us to seem like a church that is saying, give to us. You have to, you know, like there have been so many people 
hurt by churches who all they want, unfortunately, has been your money. It was through conversation with a mentor, Pastor Russ Hodgins. We love him here. He's going to be, I don't know if I'm going to ruin a surprise, so I won't say anything. Um, <laughs> he's amazing. He said, bro, Pastor, why would you rob your church of a blessing? Because that's what we believe. That when we give, it's not this religious tax or a, a, the thumbs up or, or fundraising. Hey, Kuhau happens to be, yes, a nonprofit organization. We, we are, are blessed to be here because of people who have partnered with us in our giving. Yes, but it is so much more than that. When we give, we are participating in building God's kingdom. There's an Old Testament scripture where it, they were building the temple. And that's what a church is. It's a modern day temple. And it says that the entire community rallied around this cause to build the temple so they would have a place to gather and worship. And, and when, when we give, we are giving, man, when I give to this place, I know that I'm giving to a place where people are set free, where people encounter Jesus, and God's kingdom is growing. Is, anybody that, is there anybody here who believes that? That this is a place where the kingdom of God is being brought down to earth. It's so much more than a religious tax. And the tithe, really, is just giving God what, what belongs to him. I have some, some props here. I've never, used, I've never used props before, so it's new. See? See? God's stretching me, too. So it's saying this. Lord, you've given me all of this. All of this is yours. All of this is yours. I have, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a, an amazing relationship with my client, and this is what I think of. She allows me to use her car, because we're in quarantine, she doesn't really use it, to travel to and from work. She says, hey, take the car, I'm not going to use it. This way you don't have to commute, take the bus all the way here. Whose car is it? Hers. It never becomes mine. I've used it three weeks in a row. It's no longer, it doesn't stop being her car. It's God's. And all that he asks for is 10%. May, could you help me with this? Can you get me one? My lovely assistant. 10% is one dime out of every dollar. I have out of, I believe, right, is the math right? Ten, $10 one dime. One dime, 10%, one dime out of every dollar. It's one dollar out of every... <laughs> it's one dollar out of every ten dollars, right? Someone correct me on that math if I'm wrong, please. Pastor Rose like, oh my gosh, what? I love you. I love you, Rose. He's going to be back next week. Like, all right, we're just going to redo this part. It's $1 out of every $10. I'm getting better, guys. Look. And here, here's, here's what it is. It's $10 out of every 100 right? $10 out of every 100 What's crazy about it is, how much of it is God's? How much? And he asks for this. And when we do this, he treats it as if it was all of this. And he counts it to us as if we've given it all back to him in return. And he just asks, will you give 10% to build my kingdom? And I think that he asks us to do that because he doesn't want all of it. He gives us these resources because he wants your 10% to combine with my 10%. 
and combine with her 10% and their 10% because he wants everybody to be included in the building of his kingdom because the reality is is he could have just done it himself but all throughout scripture what we see is that God desires to partner with humanity he spends six days creating the earth creates humanity and says now you go you have dominion I've empowered you I've created you in my image so that you can go forth and tame the land not by yourself but together and when Jesus comes on the scene before he leaves, he says, now I empower you. And it's, it's with our finances, yes, but it's in every aspect of our life. Would you, would you be willing to take your 10% and partner with me? Can I tell you that this church has been able to bless so many people, not through my giving, not through my 10%, but through my 10%, Dyron's 10%, your 10%, everybody who has decided to say, yes, I'm going to give to God, and I'm going to give through God through this vessel called Christ Uncensored House of Worship, who has set it in their hearts to make a difference in the community of Staten Island, that we've been able to bless, I believe it was over 200 students with backpacks two years in a row. And the only reason why we didn't do it a third year was because there was a pandemic, and I think even then we found a way to bless the school. We just didn't have an event. Not because of me and my one 10%, but because of the 10% that you guys all came together and put. Now here's what's crazy. We're able to do that with just, as of right now, we have 27 committed tithers. And we've been able to make a difference. We've just baptized eight people. Eight people gave their lives to God. And children, some were children. I think everybody who's here is here. What I love about Kuhau is it's a first time believer church. We don't get a lot of people who are already Christian. A lot of people have given their life to God at this church. And so there are people here who get to say, I once was lost, but now I'm found through what God has done through this ministry. And I'm one of those people. I was found, I got lost, and then I came back. <laughs> and that's through 20, 27 committed tithers. But here's what's crazy, 80 people call this, about 80 people call this place home. And if 80 people, on average, average salary is about $30,000 a year. If 80 people who make $30,000 a year, I'm gonna press, I got, I got the math right on this one, guys, I promise. If 80 people making, who made $30,000 a year monthly tithed, um, that would be $20,000 a month. And that would be $240,000 yearly. yearly. $20,000 a month. Here's what's crazy. That is more than double what our current expenses are. Our current expenses are $10,000 a month. But if 80 people were to say, what that creed says, I believe in the vision of this church family. I believe that God has called me to give. I believe I'm blessed to be a blessing. And we're to just follow, forget offering, just the principle of the tithe. We would more than double what our current expenses are. And with that, we would do so much more. Every time our church has, has doubled in its giving, the church community, the church leadership gets together and say, hey, we're bringing in more money. We need to send out more money. We need to bless more people. We need to add someone to compassion. We need, we need to bless more families. Hey, did you hear so-and-so hasn't gotten their unemployment? Hey, did you hear so-and-so isn't going to have a Thanksgiving because they can't afford a meal? How can we provide that resource every time? And, and I think, like God, and, and I want to honor, like, the stewardship of our finance team who not just stewards our money well, but ensures that this church is a blessing to others. Like I've not seen a need go unmet. We've taken a chance. We've looked in times of drought and said, this is all the bread we got. But you know what, God? Better in your hands than ours. So how can we 
help our church continue to be this generous church, which it already has been? Well, by prayerfully considering what God is calling us to give. What is God instructing you to, like the widow? What is he instructing you to do? In a few, in a few weeks, I think actually in a, in a month or so, we, we get together around this season to collect a historic offering. It's, it's, it's a time we come together and give our very best. And how can you help us be generous? Well, between now and then, between now and then, you can ask God, hey, Lord, what are you instructing me to give? And listen, nobody is saying empty your savings account. Nobody is saying you, it's not, remember, it is not about the amount. It is about your heart and your relationship with God and what he is calling you to do. It is simply prayfully considering what it is God would have you give when our church comes together for that moment. And the last thing I want to say before I close is that this can be scary. I started giving um, when I was working at GameStop because I understood the principle of the tithe. And I remember saying, I want to give now while I'm not making that much money because I know it's only going to get harder when I start making more. And here I am. You know, let me tell you, I was right. It is so hard because that percentage, it only becomes bigger. And you're like, I could do so much with that. And it can become scary because you don't want to be left with nothing, right? But Philippians 4 is an amazing scripture for this year. It says this, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. My God shall supply all your needs. It, I'm going to be honest, guys. It doesn't stop getting scary, but it sure gets easier when you understand that it's not you who supplies your needs. It's not me. Like, I have been so gracious to be blessed with the finances that God has given me, and I don't know how. I don't know how I've ended up in the job I've been. I don't know how I've ended up being able to be financially free. I, I was in credit card debt. I said, Lord, in the next six months, I want to be out of credit card debt. I came up with a plan. Six months, I was going to do it, and in a month, I already knocked down. Like, and I'm just like, Lord, where did the money come from? I promise you, I didn't work more. I didn't earn more. It just came from nowhere. It literally felt like nowhere, like God was just pouring out a blessing. And I'm like, Lord, I don't deserve this. And then I remember, it's him, the one who supplies it. And I've tried to grind, like I've tried. Thankfully, I've realized like I'm just bad at hustling and grinding. I just don't got it in me. And I've tried. But this scripture right here, let this be your guiding verse if you're dealing with any fear or any doubt that it's God who supplies it. It's God who supplies every need according to who the riches of Jesus. Can I pray with you guys? Lord, I, I, um, I thank you that it's you who does it. I thank you that you have gone before us in every moment. And I just ask that you speak to our hearts right now, God. That wherever we are, wherever we're feeling, I, I know this is a challenging message, Lord, but challenge can be good, Lord. That in this moment, what you do is you give us the faith to trust you and to hear you. And that you may speak to our hearts in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen. Lastly, if you're here and you're new or if you've been listening and you're new and here, here's what I want to drill in on for you to focus in on. This, this is one of those moments where you got to peek back and, and see the church talk to its family, a family meeting. And what I want you to hear more is that part about Jesus. That God loved us so much that when we were lost, when we were enemies, his generosity and, and the heart of grace gives his grace gave his only begotten son to live the life that we could not live. That's what the Bible shows us, humanity, trying to live a right life and failing every time. He lives the right life. 
then he takes the consequences that we should have gotten and then rises from the dead and empowers us to live a fulfilled and generous life. And if you're new and you want to get started on that relationship, knowing the person, here's what's amazing is that person is now dwells inside of us and all we have to do is request access to the Holy Spirit. And we can live a life where we are fulfilled and accept the grace that God gives. So if you want to do that, I want to invite you to this life of joining a life where you say, Lord, no longer my will, but yours go forth because it's your will that wants the best for me and will do and know what's best for me. And so on three, I'm going to say one, two, three. And if you want to do that, just so that I know who I'm praying with, you can. And if you're at home, maybe you can put a little hand emoji in the comments so we know who we're praying with and we'll do that. One, two, three. Lord, we, sorry, <laughs> you're going to pray after me. So I'm going to do it again. One, two, three. If you want to accept Jesus, you can raise your hand. Now, if you want to do that, you can just say this prayer. It's a symbolic prayer in, in which you're surrendering and saying, I accept this journey. And you just have to repeat after me. Simple as this. Jesus, come into my life. Thank you for your forgiveness. Today I am a new creation. In your name, amen. Once again, we want to thank you for tuning in. Subscribe now and stay connected to all of our latest messages. And if this message really blessed you, pass along the blessing by sharing it with a friend. We pray that you will be given the opportunity to apply this message, and we hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. God bless.